this morning is uh, what we call uh, one of our celebration Sundays. A little over two years ago, uh, we decided that we wanted to be more intentional with celebrating uh, what God was doing uh, in and through Lebanon Christian Church. Uh, for all the reasons that I just mentioned before leading up to communion is that we're so easy to lose sight of what we have and what we are experiencing and focus on what we don't have uh, we just want to celebrate what God is doing in and through Lebanon Christian Church. And I, I want to give a disclaimer to those of you that are new to Lebanon Christian Church, maybe those of you watching online for the first time, that when we celebrate what God is doing here, none of it is to uh, pat ourselves on the back. None of it is to give ourselves our own applause. Uh, it is to truly celebrate what God is doing through Lebanon Christian Church. And it deserves to be celebrated. He's doing great things here. He's doing great things in his church worldwide and nationwide, but he's doing great things here at Lebanon Christian Church. Uh, this spring, when we had a celebration Sunday, we celebrated the impact of the youngest among us. We intentionally looked to the lives of our preschool children, our children, our junior high and high school students, and some of our young adults and said, uh, like, let, let's see how God is using them to make a difference. How are they serving? How are they impacting the world? And so we celebrated that. Uh, some of them are your sons and your daughters, your grandsons and granddaughters, your nieces and nephews, your younger siblings. Uh, and we saw the impact that God is using um, them for in our world. Today, we're gonna celebrate the impact of the oldest among us. And I know uh, people may get offended. I'm not calling you old. I'm not calling you withered. I'm not calling you gray. I am saying that the reality is, is that there are some who are young and there are some who are older. And we're gonna celebrate the impact of those that are the oldest among us, specifically those that I'm thinking are 60 years of age and older. And I know if you're in your 60s, my mom and dad tell me all the time, I'm not old, but here's the reality. If you divide life into thirds, you are in the final third. And, and that's just, it's, it is the, the twilight of your life. The sun is setting and there's no way that you can get that back. I'm not trying to be mean. That's just the reality. And and God still wants to make a difference uh, in you and through you, even as the sun begins to get lower in the sky. That's just who he is. He, he wants you to leverage your life from. So we're going to celebrate the impact of some of the oldest among us. Uh, there are many in our church family who are continuing to leverage their days, even after 60, uh, to make a difference for King Jesus. And for some of them, they've had to pivot and they've had to change because of their health, because of life circumstances, but they're still looking for new ways. They're still looking for uh, familiar ways even for some to make a difference in the kingdom of God because they believe that God is great and that he has a purpose for them uh, in this world. And my hope is that when we get done with this celebration together, that you're inspired um, that if you're a part of that community of people that are 60 and over, that you will be encouraged. Uh, if you're among the, those in our room that are under 60, whether you're 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, or somewhere in between, that you'll be inspired to see that you can leverage your life uh, long after you reach retirement age. I'll reference this again later, but there's kind of a lie that's been you know, given to our world and our nation, and that's the American dream, and that's that you work really hard until you're 60 or 65, and not only do you stop working, but you kind of disengage from other things, and you just kind of spend the rest of your days uh, enjoying whatever it is you enjoy, and 
God can use those years to not only let you cease from working in a workplace, but to seize new opportunities for his kingdom. And even as you enjoy some of the pleasures of life that you've awaited for, you can leverage those days and those opportunities to help people encounter him and experience him. And so my hope is that, that you're inspired to kind of rethink how you view the final third of your life. And, and I hope that for those of you that are, are in that final third, that you'll want to get engaged if you aren't in what God is doing in our world. My life has been enriched and my life has been blessed by many who are over the age of 60. And just a few stories. Uh, this is a blanket that when I graduated high school in 1996 and I was preparing to go off to college, our family made a pretty significant move. We had um, lived in Georgia for my sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth grade year, Southeast Georgia, Brunswick. It's been in the news a lot lately because of uh, an event that happened a couple years ago when a young man was killed by, while running. But I, I grew up and not grew up, I lived those four years in Brunswick, Georgia, and then we moved to Indiana uh, and I spent the final two years of high school in Indiana after a brief stop in Texas. We moved around a lot as kids. And so Indiana actually became more home to me than Georgia. And following my graduation from high school, our, my parents informed me that uh, we we're going to be moving back to Georgia. And all these friends and these connections I had, I was leaving behind and moving back. And people, had, I'm sure, had moved on and the years had been gone. And so we come back to Georgia, and I don't know a lot of people again and one of the first Sundays back in church, a woman named Ingrid comes up to me. She learned that we were moving back, and she made this blanket for me. Um, and she said that she does this for all the high school graduates, even though I hadn't been part of the church. And you're going to see that it's, it's worn, it's tattered. It, it sat on my college bed for four years of college. It's been in my house ever since, and actually just got back out of the, uh, the, the closet because the main blanket I have on my bed, um, I gave to Isaiah so he'd have something to remember us by when he went off to college. And so uh, I got it back out and I still have it. And it's a gift that was given to me by a, a woman who was over 60 and she used her gifts and her talents to impact. And it still reminds me of the love and the care and the affection that the church family has uh, for me. Think of the story of Malcolm. Uh, Malcolm was in his 70s when I really got to know him. Uh, interesting story about Malcolm. I was in church as a high school student in southern Indiana. I was a junior in high school. Uh, one of our, our first days worshiping with this church, Driftwood Christian Church, and uh, Malcolm had a heart attack in the middle of church. And um, everything stops, and the nurses in the church, it's always interesting how God surrounds us with the right people, respond, and, and, and Malcolm's life was preserved uh, I watched as Malcolm battled cancer, and I also watched as week after week, because uh, my family moved from Georgia back to Indiana while I was in college, uh, week after week, I'm telling you, it was crazy, but uh, week after week as we were um, worshiping with our church, it wasn't uncommon for Malcolm to come up and let me know how he was praying for me, uh, often putting a hand on my back and shaking my hand. And there are many times, probably more than a dozen in those last three years of college that that handshake included a $20 bill or a $50 bill. And Malcolm was just his way in his 70s of saying, um, I'm praying for you. Uh, I believe in you. I wanna make a difference in your life as you try to make a difference in this world. And it's again, the impact of someone who is over 60. I think of Audrey and my story and we were in youth ministry for 10 years exclusively, and we took kids to Christ in Youth Conferences and camp and, and weekend uh, retreats, and often the people who cared for our boys while we were away on those trips were 
uh, men and women that were over 60 who said, you know what, we believe in what you're doing and we want to support you and encourage you and invest in you. Uh, they'd take our boys so we could have a date night. They, they'd take our boys just to hang out with them. They became like these second and third and fourth sets of grandparents. And it was their way of making a difference for King Jesus even after 60. Uh, here's the point is that those stories are happening all over. And I want to celebrate those stories that are happening here. Uh, just some of them. We can't celebrate all of them uh, at Lebanon Christian Church. And to kind of get us started, I want you to see the impact of some women in our church that are over 60 and something that they've been up to in, in recent years and really doing heavily in recent months. Check this out. Everybody's unique, so they should be unique too. And that way the mother knows that that's my girl with the yellow top or that's my girl with the red top or something like that. We had a, a fabric drive in the fall, early, late summer, early fall. We had over 30 people come to the church and either cut out dresses or sewed dresses or organized fabric one Saturday morning, turned out a bunch of dresses. Since then, we've had several sewing days, but mostly they're sewn just at home by people. And we've had several, I bet two dozen women who have sewn dresses. It's been a great program. I thought, well, I know how to sew. I have basic skills, so I can, I can do that. God just kind of rekindled my desire to sew and, and my interest in it, because I really hadn't been interested in doing it for a long time. But now it's fun and I really enjoy it and I try to carve out time to be able to do that. I hadn't made dresses or anything for probably 30 years. Now I had done a lot of mending for people. So I just used up what I had and went to my sister's and she gave me tons of material and we made dresses and I've made a lot ever since. <laughs> 825 dresses thus far, thus far. And we've got these, we've got some more going pretty soon. Many of them have gone to Haiti and they have gone to Ivory Coast. And I think there's some that are in the process of being packed to go to Ghana. The women are so creative in putting them together, the, the mixing and matching of the fabrics. And then we've seen pictures of the little girls wearing the dresses and the smiles on their face. Again, you know, maybe that's gone to a little girl that's never had a dress, never had a new dress, and maybe it's protecting her. Maybe it's helping keep her safe. It's just good to make something that they enjoy wearing and look. And it's really cool to see um, to know that that dress came from Lebanon and went across the ocean and is benefiting some child. So this is an opportunity for us to be able to share the blessing that Jesus has given us with those in need. And it's a simple thing to do, but I know that it makes a difference to a lot of people. Uh, we've had teenage girls who didn't know how to sew that now can put together a dress. Um, we've had uh, people that um, couldn't sew at all and didn't really want to learn. So they cut out dresses for us. They would cut them out. Um, we're very willing. It doesn't really take an experienced seamstress. The patterns we use are pretty easy. 
Uh, so somebody, a beginner sewer, could certainly handle them. And if somebody wants to, I'd be glad to help them and be glad to teach them or work with them um, to, to learn the process. It's, it's really not difficult. There's just more fulfillment to be able to do things for others. And you get joy out of helping others and doing for others. And true, you might be tired, but you're going to be tired anyway, so you might as well just work through it doing something. We need to model serving and um, how important it is to give your time to serve others, not, not just in the church, but in other civic organizations or serving your neighbors. Um, there's always somebody you're moved. You can do something for someone else. It'll make you feel better. The, the people we read about in the Bible didn't retire. They didn't get to 65 or 70 and say, okay, I'm done. Uh, so I need to keep working and keep, now I can do it when before working, I couldn't do it as much. So now I've got the time. that's just one story. Um, as, as they alluded to in the video, that there have been uh, a couple of dozen women at this point who have helped make dresses. Um, but that's even just some that have worked with their hands. We have a whole other group of people that maybe can't sew who donate fabric or provide money to purchase goods beyond even dresses. Uh, this group is, uh, they'll, they'll get a call from like Walmart when their stuff goes out of season and they'll go purchase t-shirts and shorts and they'll send those over for the boys. They've, they've, they've added to what they're making um, like birthing kits. So a young mother who has a child can, uh, in, in, in one of our developing countries where we have global partners, uh, can have diapers and burp rags and clothes for that child when they come home from the hospital. It's just a beautiful thing. Uh, there have been men involved in this story. Uh, some of the husbands of the women you uh, saw in there, they will help run the supplies different places. But again, it just represents a small portion of the impact that people who are 60 and over are making uh, in our church, uh, in our community, in our world. Uh, as we celebrate this morning, something I hope that you'll see is that this has long been part of God's story. Uh, from the beginning, God has used men and women who are moving into the final third of their lives or in the final third of their lives uh, to make a difference for his kingdom. Uh, I just want to highlight a few of those. Sometimes we don't know the specific ages of people, but there are some really neat times when the Bible does provide that for us. Um, you may recall that following sin in the garden, uh, Adam and Eve were cut off from the tree of life. At that point, uh, you see something happen in the pages of history. The lifespan of human beings begins to decrease. Uh, early on in Genesis, there are some pretty big numbers, but even when we look at those, we can see that there are people serving in the final years of their lives, making a difference. In um, Genesis chapter 7, for example, uh, we hear this uh, about Noah, Genesis 7, verse 6. It says, Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters came on the earth. Uh, we don't know exactly how old Noah was when God came to him and he said, hey, I want you to build this ark. Uh, but we do know that uh, he was 600 when the floods came. 
Uh, you can rewind in Genesis and see Methuselah, who was over 900 years old. And so even if we use that as a marker of how long someone might live, you still see Noah living in the final third of his life. And he's overseeing a remarkable building project driven by great faith uh, that results in God preserving his people and his story with humanity. But it's not just Noah. If you thumb, thumb through the pages of Genesis, you find the story of Abraham and Sarah. And they too were older when God began to use them and make a difference through them. Here's what Genesis 12 verse 4 says. It says, so Abram went, again his name is later changed to Abraham. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. 75 and that's no small uh, feat that he's going to respond to God and leave what he knows. Because look at verse 1 of chapter 12. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. So here is um, Abraham who has known life in one place, who has known life with his extended family. He's lived his life. He's comfortable. And God says, you know what? I want you to leave everything that you know. And come follow me into the unknown. I'm not even going to tell you where you're going yet. But will you just pick up and in faith follow me? And at 75 years old, Abram says, yep, I'll go. And his wife Sarah joins him. We learn later on that Sarah is about six, I'm sorry, 10 years younger than, than, than Abraham. So she's 65. So 75 and 65, they leave all that they know. Uh, to follow God into the unknown, trusting that he will provide, trusting that he will lead. That's remarkable. God ends up speaking to them and saying, listen, as I bless the world through you, you're going to have a child. And it, it makes Sarah laugh because that word comes 25 years later when Abraham is 100 and Sarah is 90. That's recorded in Genesis chapter 17, uh, verse 17. As Abram fell face down, he laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? 100, 90, and yet still following God faithfully, and God uses them to make a difference. Uh, you could turn to the story of Moses, and you could see God using a man who was in his 80s for the bulk of what we know about Moses' life and ministry. You may say, well, Craig, how do we know how old Moses was? Well, the beauty of God's word is that it fills in gaps for us. In Acts chapter 7, in the New Testament, Stephen preaches this incredible sermon. I'm talking about the history of God and how it led to Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ did. And if you read in Acts chapter 7, verse 32, it tells us that Moses was 40 when he went to defend his people against the Egyptians, and he actually killed an Egyptian. He was 40 years old, and, and God took him into the wilderness, or he went into the wilderness, where God shaped him and sharpened him. And Stephen tells us that he was there for 40 years. So, so at this point, Moses is 40 when he goes into the wilderness. He's in the wilderness for 40 years. That makes him 80 when the burning bush episode happens. So the age of 80, he chooses to boldly go back to Pharaoh and deliver God's people from Egypt. And the exodus transpires. And he's called upon at the age of 80, in his 80s and 90s and hundreds, to, to lead a complaining and grumbling and rebellious people. And he does so 
faithful, and he dies at the age of 120 years old. Joshua, uh, if you read the end of the book of Joshua, you read that Joshua was 110 years old when he died. He led Israel for close to 30 years. That means the bulk of what we know about Joshua and his life occurred after the age of 80. Jericho, after the age of 80. The battles and the conquests that followed after the age of 80. And if we rewind into Joshua's life and we backtrack when Moses is leading Israel and you see these accounts that are recorded like how Joshua would linger in the tent of meeting. He just couldn't get enough of God's presence. That happens when Joshua is likely in his 60s and 70s. So here you have people pursuing God faithfully, living for God faithfully, using their gifts, their talents, their abilities, their skills, their times faithfully uh, long after the age of 60. And those are just the ones we have like age markers for. Uh, scholars who study biblical history tell us that likely Isaiah and Daniel, two of our great prophets, uh, were well past 60 as they continue to serve God faithfully. Deborah, uh, one of the female judges over Israel, likely led Israel well after the age of 60. And the stories continue on into the New Testament. A couple of years ago here, we studied the uh, book of Luke, and uh, we came across this story in Luke chapter 2 of two people. Uh, they're not married, but they're similar stories. One is about a man named Simeon, the other about a prophetess named Anna. Here's what it says of Simeon in Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And when he sees Jesus and his parents coming, he goes to them and he declares a word about them to them, recognizing this as the Lord's Messiah. But the words there that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel indicate some age and that the Spirit specifically encouraged him that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Uh, many believe indicates age as well. And so here we have Simeon, likely older, who's being faithful. We know for a fact that Anna was, verse 36 of Luke chapter 2, there was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. The Bible says that. She was very old. And she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Again, someone who is in the twilight of their life, the final third who God uses to make a difference in his kingdom. Someone obedient to his way, his truth, his life. Um, you, if you study church history, you can think about the uh, disciple John. Uh, some works that date back to the early second century uh, indicate for us some dating for John's life. Uh, many believe that John was in his 70s when he recorded his gospel. That John was in his 80s as he wrote the letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And many believe he was in his 90s as he recorded the words of the book of Revelation. Here's someone who is faithfully following God, faithfully following Jesus, being used by God well after the age of 60. 
God makes an incredible impact in our world through the oldest among us. And the story that we just saw about uh, some of the women at Lebanon Christian Church is just an extension of what God has already been doing. And it's just the start of many stories that we could share with you about what God is doing. Uh, some stories that I uh, kind of wrote down this week that I was thinking of is that on any given week here, uh, you can typically find uh, men and women over the age of 60 mowing our grass, the acreage that we have, six hours on a hustler mower that bounces you and jars you, you will regularly find uh, men and women over the age of 60 mowing, bending over and weeding our flower beds and taking care of planting uh, around our shrubs. You will find men and women over the age of 60 serving on our worship team. Men and women over the age of 60 investing in our children by holding children in our nurseries, by teaching and assisting in our preschool ministries, by, by joining in our, our children's ministries, even serving as life group leaders in our student ministries. Junior high and high school students are led by some of our men and women who are over the age of 60, in some cases in their 70s. God continuing to use the oldest among us to make a difference. Uh, we have uh, men and women who serve behind the scenes. Many weeks, the communion that we share in each week is prepared um, by several teams of people that are over the age of 60. And the list just goes on and on and on. Men and women who in some cases had to change what they do. Maybe they, they, they don't formulate words as quickly as they'd like, so they move to a different area to serve. Or maybe they can't stand on their feet as long or do the things they used to do but they continue to choose to find ways to make a difference for King Jesus long after the age of 60. And it's not just that it happens here at Lebanon Christian Church. It's not just that it happens here. We, we started using some terminology a few years ago where we talk about the impact that God wants to make through us here, there, and everywhere. Here refers to here at Lebanon Christian Church. It's on our campus. It's within the ministries that happen here. But we have people making a difference there in our community, you can show up just about any day at Love in the Name of Christ, and you will find at some point during the week, um, one of those days, uh, men and women from Lebanon Christian Church who are over the age of 60 working with Love, Inc. Uh, it's a ministry located in another part of town that helps connect people who are vulnerable, people who are hurting with um, churches so that they can find hope and they can find the things that they need. One of the ways we serve in that is we operate a linen closet which is primarily led mostly um, by one life group, which has many who are over the age of 60. Shalom House, who's serving food to people who are food insecure, who's delivering meals to people who are food insecure, oftentimes has as their delivery people, people over the age of 60, many of them from Lebanon Christian Church, many of them serving food throughout the week. Again, the impact of the oldest among us. And you can look to Boone County Mentoring, uh, and we have people 60 and over who are mentoring uh, in our community, choosing to pour into the next generation. Uh, you can look to other organizations where maybe they're not specifically faith-based organizations, uh, but there are men and women who follow Jesus who say, listen, because of who Jesus is, because of who I am in him, I want to intentionally leverage my life in this place to make a difference. They volunteer in classrooms. They volunteer for community events, uh, all for the sake of King Jesus and they're over the age of 60. That impact happens, again, not just here, not just there in our community, but it happens around the world. 
some of our global partners that we partner with, that we're invested in as they champion the good news of Jesus and the purposes of God around the world are led by people over the age of 60. Um, one that comes to mind is Haitian Christian Outreach. Uh, there should be a picture of Roro and Aline who lead uh, HCO, Haitian Christian Outreach. They're in their mid-60s. Uh, a vision was birthed in Roro some 40-plus years ago that he wanted to do a work in Haiti that would last, a, a country that has known um, calamity and crisis and natural disasters and difficulty. And, and they saw mission agencies come and go and come and go and come and go. And he said, I want to do something that will last. And so he founded Haitian Christian Outreach. It was started as a church planting movement and then has developed. And now they're in the southeast of Haiti. There's a hospital there. For some people, it's the only hospital within two hours. They deliver children. They do surgeries, all that stuff. And Roro and Aline faithfully serve there even into their 60s. They're there right now. If you watch the news, do you know what's going on in Haiti? Like there's gang violence. There's a huge food shortage right now. I was talking to Megan Schreiber, who's the U.S. Director of Haitian Christian Outreach, who helps us connect with this ministry. And she said that right now there's 1.3 million people who actually qualify as starving in southern Haiti and southeast Haiti. And Roro and Aline have chosen to stay, to remain there, to serve there to fight to find food with the rest of them, to make a difference. Uh, it's the impact of the oldest among us. One of our other mission partners, Training Tomorrow's Leaders, uh, they're headquartered in and do work in Ghana, Togo, and Burkina Faso. They're on that southern western part of the continent of Africa. Um, Austin and Amanda Gagno lead those efforts. Austin and Amanda will actually be with us here in just about a month or just a few weeks and he'll share some uh, up here on the platform with us about what God is doing there. But I asked Austin this week, I said, hey, could you give me a few stories of people in your ministry who are over the age of 60 making a difference around the world? And our church supports them, so we're part of this impact. And he sent me the stories of three people with three pictures. Uh, the first is the story of Sarah. Uh, Sarah was the wife, she still is the wife of the same man, but uh, he was a fetish priest, um, that doesn't maybe ring a bell for us. A fetish priest in Ghana and Togo uh, is uh, someone who's a priest in the occult, and they serve as a medium between spirits and the living. It's a religion you know, rooted in spiritism, as are many of the religions among tribal people uh, in Africa even to this day. And Sarah's husband was a priest within this cultic religion, she came to follow Jesus, and through her love and her witness, led her husband to follow Jesus. And now their son is a church planter. Sarah is over the age of 60. He shared with me the story of Azari. Azari is a woman whose uh, age is seen on her face, um, and yet she recently donated all of her land to train tomorrow's leaders because she said that she wanted her lasting legacy to be a church being planted and built uh, on her property. Is that not incredible? She's over the age of 60. He shared with me the story of Paul. Uh, Paul was a former idol worshiper in one of these cultic religions, and he came to follow Jesus Christ, and now serves as an elder in the church in his community, and has won several people to Christ, is uh, Austin's language in his email. Again, someone over the age of 60 making a difference for King Jesus. 
If we could share with you other stories from other mission partners, um, those that have served at House Edelweiss, uh, a campus in Austria for our global partner, TCM, have served there and met men and women who are leading the church and growing in their faith that are over the age uh, of 60. God continuing to make a difference through Lebanon Christian Church, through the oldest among us, for his sake, for his glory, for his kingdom. We even have people right here at the Lebanon Christian Church who, even prior to COVID, were traveling to make a difference around the world. In 2018, a group of us went to Haiti. Uh, we'd hoped to make a trip in 2020, but COVID kind of got in the way of that. Um, but in 2018, one of the women that went with us was over the age of 60. And then in 2019, she and two other women in the church traveled with me to Austria. Maybe they let me travel with them is a better way to say it. And uh, we served our global partner, TCM, all of them over the age of 60 and, and me. It was like traveling with three moms. And that was really a cool thing, um, making a difference. And then, of course, COVID happened and international travel slowed down. But this summer, we've seen again as uh, people in our church want to make a difference. And uh, a man in our church who's over the age of 60 traveled uh, this summer to do something around the world. Uh, that's pretty neat. And I want you to see his story next. I think it's important that we look for things to do rather than wait for something to fall into our lap because that doesn't happen very often. It's just like when my stepson was complaining about not having a job. I said, well, you first got to get off the sofa because nobody's going to come and knock on your door and offer you a job. So that's kind of the way I think it is with, with mission work. We have to be out there and um, look for things. If something comes along, it's probably something that we were meant to, to do. Breaking news tonight, Russia launching a full-scale invasion of Ukraine. Vladimir Putin's forces unleashing an all-out assault on Ukraine from the land, sea, and air. What prompted all this was um, my son was contacted by a childhood friend of his that, who is now in the mission field. And they had an immediate need for some drivers. They were looking for somebody with a passport, somebody that could drive a stick ship, and somebody that was available. That's the only qualification, so that's really about, <laughs> about all that I could lend, except a strong back when we have to unload things and load things. I noticed as we drove down the street, um, we were, I shouldn't say that we were, we were met with suspicion, but certainly people were, you know, kind of watching us, you know. I didn't quite look like everybody else, and, you know, why are you here and what are you doing? Yeah, that was quite a bit different. But it was gratifying to be able to bring in supplies, especially things that they really were in need of. A lot of, a lot of rice, a lot of hygiene supplies, diapers, baby food, things like that. I've been blessed beyond my comprehension, actually. Um, you know, he's, he's given my family so much. And in gratitude, I feel like I should do what little I can to try to pay it back or pay it forward. I see so many opportunities. It's, it's so easy to find something to do. Again, just another among many stories. Uh, my hope is this morning that you're inspired to see that God is doing not only a great work at Lebanon Christian Church, but a great work in the lives of many here. He's making a difference for his kingdom. He's making a difference for our King Jesus. 
uh, through the lives of the oldest among us. Um, kind of what I hope would be a takeaway from this morning are a few things. One, if, if you find yourself not yet to the age of 60, whether you're uh, a preteen, a teen, a young adult, someone in your 30s, uh, maybe you're raising a family, maybe you're in your 40s and you feel midlife crisis coming on or your 50s, that, that, that you will reframe your thinking about what the American dream is that you allow God to reframe and reimagine with you the American dream, that it'll become a kingdom dream, that you will think differently about retirement, that you will think differently about the twilight of your life, that you will choose to say, God, I wanna make a difference for you as long as I live. Will you show me how to do that even when I stop working? Will you show me how to do that when I end up with more time that I can use for my family, my community, my friends? that you will invite God into that dreaming process uh, to see what difference you can make when you're over 60. My hope is that if you find yourself in that retirement age, nearing retirement, soon to be retired, maybe you're over 60, you're 70, you're in your 80s, maybe you're even in your 90s, that you will say, God, how do you want to use me right now? It's going to probably change. Uh, rotator cuffs get torn Knees don't work the same. Vertebrae compress. Minds aren't as sharp. But God can still use you in a number of ways. And I just want to share with you a few of those things that I've heard and seen in my lifetime where people make a difference even as their health begins to fail. We've been in ministry, uh, serving in the local church after graduation from college for two years. Uh, we were at a church called Evergreen Christian Church in Salem, Illinois. And there was a really sweet couple, Bernard and Irma Gaston. Uh, Bernard and Irma were in their 80s. Uh, Bernard and Irma had seen their fair share of heartache and trial. Uh, they didn't have a whole lot. Um, Irma would tell me, you know, I, I, I don't have the strength to hold children in the nursery. I, I can't volunteer for this. I can't be on my feet that long. But you know what Irma did faithfully? Irma wrote cards. Irma sent cards to so many people. Uh, she'd ask the office for names of people who might be in their homes and couldn't get out, or, or she'd ask for the, the people who'd just given birth to babies in the last year. And, and she would write card after card after card. And we received so many cards from Irma just telling us that she was praying for us. Another thing I've seen from people maybe whose bodies don't allow them to serve a whole lot is that they just become people of prayer. They'll wake up at a same faithful hour uh, every day to pray, uh, to pray for specific people in their lives. And that's their service to the king and his kingdom. They, they leverage their days even when their bodies don't allow them to do what they used to do. Uh, I can tell you story after story of men and women I've known who have, as they've aged, needed to live in a long-term care facility, and they've chosen to leverage those moments to encourage the nurses and the aides and the doctors that come beside their bed to make a difference in their lives. Well, we have stories in with our own church of people who have led Bible studies in our local long-term care facilities just to make a difference. It changes for them as they grow older, but they continue to make a difference for King Jesus. Maybe it's adopting a young couple. If you're a married couple and you're growing older and you adopt them, not that you have to pour financial resources into them, but just to pour into them to have them over for a cup of coffee, 
Even have them over for a cup of water and just to get to know them and their life and their story. And then what will end up happening is a relationship develops and you're able to offer wisdom that they desperately need and they desperately crave. Uh, There's a family, individuals that are over 60 that have have really uh, taken Audrey and I under their wing. And one of the things they do for us is they watch our dogs so that we can serve and and, 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 and do different things in ministry together. can't always get out and do the things they'd like to do, but they can sit and cuddle dogs, and so they make a difference. Really, the list is, is almost limitless, but my challenge here would be to find those ways where you can continue to make a difference for King Jesus uh, long after the age of 60. And the final thing I would encourage you with uh, is that all of this can take place only in and by the power of Jesus. Uh, He's the one who transforms our eyes to see the world differently. He's the one that transforms our eyes to see our lives not as our own, but being bought as a price, as Paul says. And he's the one who gives us the courage and the faith to try new things, to leverage our time and our talents and our skills and our abilities for people long into the twilight years of our life. And he invites every one of us to make a difference for him to experience his life. Um, the impact stories that you've seen today, the ones that I've shared about the stories of people in scripture only happen because Jesus, because God has grabbed a hold of people's hearts and he wants to grab a hold of yours. And so if you don't yet know him, if you don't know how to make this transition in your life, we would love to help you with that. I'd love to have a conversation with you at the front of the room. You can fill out a connection card at one of our communion stations and put it in the offering box and we'll get that. You can email us, connect at lebanonchristian.org. That's probably the easiest for those of you watching at home. Or you can scan the QR code that comes up on our screen every week or you find around our building that says, let's connect. And it'll prompt you to a page where you can see how you can get involved, how God can capture your heart and make a difference for his kingdom. Let's pray. God, I thank you. God, I thank you for those in the room who are over 60, those watching online, those who are part of our church community who can't get here anymore because their legs don't work the same. I pray, Father, that you would help them to see how they are a viable and powerful and meaningful force for you in this world, in our community, in our church, in each of our lives. And God, may you give them the courage to find whatever it is that you want them to do in this season, even if it looks different from the past, to continue to make an impact that the world might come to see you and meet you and know you. And it's in your name we pray and we trust the name of Jesus. Amen.